Welcome to this episode of the Women in Technology Spotlight. Today, I have the pleasure to talk to Kathy Halpin, Senior Director of Global Support Services at VMware. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Ranka. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So great to have you here. And for, uh, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. Um, let's right, launch right into it. And my first question would be, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Um, so I currently work with VMware um, in our leading our part of our global support services teams. Um, I've spent the last nine and a half years of my career with VMware, but prior to that, um, I've actually worked in residential uh, telecoms um, and I've been responsible for things like broadband, local line unbundling and, and developing teams and managing people. Um, and something you'll hear about is managing people is an absolute passion of mine. Um, and prior to that, I suppose at a personal level, Ronka, to give you some insight, um, I'm, bo I'm, I'm born and bred in Ireland. I live in Cork um, in the south of the country, um, but I've travelled a bit and I've lived also in the UK as well. So um, I've been delighted to have the opportunities to travel across Europe, um, as well as spend a certain amount of my education um, and college years in the UK as well, in, in, in a place many people might know called Birmingham. So um, a um, little bit about me in terms of my education, my background and, and where I've landed today. So um, really looking forward to sharing some more insights. Yes, thank you for that. Um, I have an immediate follow up question around your background. So you're from Ireland and um, you said you traveled a lot and you, your education also took you to the UK. Tell me a little bit more about your education. What kind of school did you go to? Um, yeah, what, what did that education look like? So really great question. So um, I actually, so I, I moved for personal reasons with my family to the UK when I was um, in my teenage years. And I entered the high school system there and you'll smile because this is a women in technology interview. And during my high school and college years, I actually wanted to get into the uniformed services. Um, and I studied and trained to be a firefighter. Um, and I did a series, I did a BTEC national diploma. Um, I went in to do a degree. Um, in public uniformed services um, and spent a, a couple of, of years with army teams as well as part of wanting to fulfill that career. Unfortunately, um, due to a, an underlying medical condition, I wasn't able to pass the medical, which meant that sadly, I couldn't actually pursue my initial career of choice, um, but not one to let that hold me back. I said, what else is out there um, and what else do I want to look towards? Um, and I started to get a, technology and telecoms interested me. So I started to get involved in, in more of the telecoms and technology sector. Mm -hmm. um, and as part of my um, career um, and my travel, I worked for companies such as BT, uh, British Telecom, sorry, um, in the UK, um, and TalkTalk Talk, um, in order to get that grounding and that background in terms of residential telephony services. Um, fundamentally, um, what really motivated me um, and what I'd had even through my school and college years was I had the desire to lead teams, uh, to drive actions forward, um, hence probably the firefighting thing as well, but um, aside from running into burning buildings, but um, no, the, the desire to bring um, people on a mission and a vision was a big thing for me. Um, and I got a great source of motivation and pleasure out of that. So I was really fortunate through the roles that I had within British Telecom and TalkTalk Talk, that I was able to build some of their backend teams and processes surrounding local line and bundling, local 
for loop unbundling and propagation, um, which then cemented my desire for what's next. Okay. Um, and ultimately, I ended up in VMware. That's so interesting, especially that you said you were interested more in leading teams um, when you, even when you were looking at going into the firefighter brigade. I'm not sure how you say in England. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit more about Luca, that. How how did your interest uh, in in the uniformed services start? Because that's so so different from what you're doing now, really, right? No, absolutely. Um, I, I have a passion for sports. Um, so fundamentally, um, as I was growing up, um, I was part of many teams. So I was part of our netball team, our rounders team um, in the UK. I had an interest in, in running, but the contact sport piece meant I got this great opportunity to be part of a team. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I started out and it was school teams, especially with the netball, um, my key aim was to be, how do I make captain? How do I get to be the girl that makes the decision? So I was in goal attack for those of your, your audience who might know netball. Um, so that's the, the, the lead person on the, on the court to be able to uh, score, um, to score the point. And I really wanted to understand, okay, I'd like to be able to bring a team to success and fantastic ladies, so girls that, I, that, that were on my team who delivered that and we had losses and wins. And I saw some of their, their chats and talks to us, you know, before a game or as part of getting us ready for training. And I just thought I can do that. And something in, I don't know, is it a bug that I picked up, but it just something that sat with me then through my college years. Um, if there were societies at school, such as debating, et cetera, I was, I was heading into that to try and to lead, develop my skills, improve my communication so that effectively, hopefully I could lead a team uh, one day, either in my personal life or ideally in my professional life to success. Mm -hmm. um, and the sports piece, because I enjoy physical challenge, for me, it made complete sense that I would pursue a career in, the, in, 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 in a uniform service because A, it was disciplined, B, you're working as part of a team, mm -hmm. um, and C, you have the opportunity to uh, really be successful and make a difference to people, um, which is fundamental for me. Yeah, yeah, that does sound like it makes sense. Everything comes together in that role, really. Uh, what's interesting here is you seem to have had this urge uh, to lead from a very young age, and you also seem to be quite competitive. Yeah. What I would uh, like to, to know is, do you have brothers and sisters? So what a good guess, Ranka. I don't. Um, I'm an only child. So as my mother would say, I'm a self-confessed spoiled brat. Um, <laughs> as, and she will smile to say that. So um, interestingly, no, I don't. Um, my my mother was actually a phenomenal lady she was a single parent and um she was an extremely hard-working individual and still is when i say she was she's still alive mm -hmm. um and she's actually a tutor she's retired now but she was a tutor for nursing and midwifery mm -hmm. um and work ethic was a big piece that i grew up with it was just me and her um in the household um and to keep her professional skills honed she used to go to our local casualty and she would work evenings and the reason and her logic behind that was always that when she went into the classroom as part of teaching nursing and midwifery, she could relay real world scenarios that she was seeing coming through the accident and emergency department um, into um, her classroom to instill the right values and learnings for those students that were going to go out into the world, either doing midwifery or doing, you know, general general practice nursing. Um, so I think that competitive streak uh, that you outline 
um, and that eagerness to lead is something that's come from a personal DNA, as I would really credit my mum with. I, I, I'm in huge admiration of my mother for what she did and how she did the job that she did was extremely complex and raised obviously myself. But the, the, the key value was, you know, for, you know, for hard work, it will pay dividends and you will be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that was that was I'm going to say preached in the household from an from an early age and encouraged uh, to go and seek, go explore um, and go find what works for you and be successful at that. Your mother sounds like an amazing woman. And uh, what's interesting is that even though um, you were two women, so you don't have, she's not necessarily a role model as, as in tech or, or in the uniform service, or even though a nurse is in uniform. Is a uniform, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would, uh, my mind focused more on this aspect of, uh, su- uh, of succeeding when you work hard. So the role, what I see her as is a role model that shows that you can just go out and do what you're passionate about and, and you know, um, nothing can stop you if you work hard. So this is an important thing to see, I think, as a child, because a lot of women, um, they're, they're, how can I say, they have different role models. They're, they're told that they should, you know, um, keep their, keep, ah, what is it in English? Today, my English is not good. Um, they're told that they should remain in the background and be nice. Yes. And then it's not so much about, you know, uh, taking charge of your life. So, yeah, that's actually what I see here. Your mother was someone who took charge of, of her life and, and her success. Very so, well. And just to add to that, if I can interrupt, apologies, is my, and to link it, and this is, I, I really like to link it to some of the, the DNI challenges we see in today's world as well with IT, right, is that, a lot of people will look at look at nursing um, as a vocation, and and my mother absolutely looked at it as as, as a vocation. She was fifty years um, in in the profession, um, and fundamentally, one of the big challenges that she was always very honest on, and this is going from the sixties up to you know the twenty up to the noughties, um, is that the role of the nurse historically would always have been seen as a is a, a caring role, a caring profession, and you did what the doctor said. And in general, that would have been a very male-dominated profession back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And her goal when she was teaching in the 80s and 90s was to really encourage her, her, her students to push the boundaries, regardless of gender. You can be a nurse, a nurse practitioner. You can, you know, if you decide you want to pursue a career in, 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 in different fields, because now there are specialities, mm-hmm. don't let gender be an issue because historically she would advise back in the day that it was a case it was seen that the doc, you know the, the the medical professional world from a doctor perspective was very much so a male dominated area and the females had the nursing profession and that's what they should do mm-hmm. and by doing the role that she did by keeping her skills honed she really wanted to demonstrate that the world is your oyster when it comes to learning yeah um and that was her guide and message to me when I was looking at a career in the public uniform services because at the time my course, there was 20 of us on the course and five of us were female and the other 15 were male because going into the army and the fire service at the time would have been seen as a job for, for the boys. Um, and she really, as part of some of the coaching and guidance she gave to me was, you know, you're ex- apart from physical stature um, because it's a physical role um, and you have to accept that, um, you can do the job to your best and your, your, utter, your utmost capability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as I forged through my career, from the residential telecom side from that kind of backdrop and i'm going to say that seating and that nurturing piece 
when I got into the technology side of things over the last 10 years, fundamentally, that was a big piece, but that was the challenge. I want to lead. I want to be a central part of the organization. I want to make a difference. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. So I feel a lot of what your mother did as a nursing uh, practitioner and as a tutor translates really well into, into uh, our world, as you said, yeah. very that there's a very clear idea in many people's heads what tech looks like. And obviously um, you and I, we don't look like someone who's in tech. So, <laughs> and, and it's also interesting that you pivoted from a field that's already very male dominated to another very male dominated field. So um, you already answered my next question, which would have been how many women actually went into that course with you. <laughs> so, but, but um, what I would like to understand is how, how was the reception actually? Because um, as you said, people didn't expect women to be there. There were five women, 15 men. How was it uh, being in, in that, that team? How, how was it? I remember walking in the first day um, and they have induction like you do with any college course um, and having a look around the auditorium that we had at the time. Um, and actually our tutors were all male, funnily enough. Um, fantastic tutors, by the way, mm -hmm. um, um, and came from area. We had, they had, we had people who'd worked in the Navy and in the Army and, and taught in, in the military mm -hmm. um, and, and had put together the programme um, up in um, New College in Redditch in Birmingham. But um, looking around the room, I remember thinking I didn't expect it, actually, um, because with my rose tinted glances going through high school, I just assumed that everybody saw what I saw. Um, and if you enjoyed sports and you enjoyed discipline, um, that these were natural careers of choice. So um, my first, I, I'd be honest with you, I was nervous um, because I didn't know nobody from my, my school had, had transitioned to the same course. As you can probably gather, I'm a bit of an extrovert. So I said, look, um, let's sit down and listen and let's say hello and let's get to know people. Mm -hmm. um, and I did. And the, the ladies that were with me um, in, that, in, in that course and in that room, very much of the same mindset, sports background orientated people, very much so disciplined background, a few people that had been involved in scouts and cadets and things like that in the past um, that wanted to go to that next level. And the, the male contingent that was there were very, I mean, this was 1996. Um, I mean, they, they were very supportive. We worked well as a, a natural classroom group. Now, did they take the, the, what's the right word, the Michael, or, or make jokes? Of course they did, right? Mm -hmm. And that, for a couple of us, really spurred us on to um, actually prove them wrong. We actually <laughs> saw it as a challenge, and we used to offer up, like, for relay races or um, physical. Uh, we used to do a lot of gym work, climbing up and down ropes as part of building your stamina and endurance. Mm -hmm. We used to set the challenge, you know, to say, well, who can get up and down faster, right? We can do it better than you can. Um, things like that. But... Where I used to see it the most was when we did do retreats and we did several retreats with the British Army. Um, and these were boot camps specifically to simulate what life was like in the army, including doing uh, three days camping and, 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 and fake missions. And it was interesting, right, because the Tudors and again, going back to 1996, that were involved in mentoring us on the army side would have historically given the leadership tasks to the boys. Mm -hmm. And you were part of the team. Yeah. And we didn't object. I remember I didn't object because I just thought at the time, right, I wanted to get my degree. That's how it should be. Um, and ultimately, I'm not going into the army anyway. I'm going into the fire service. So for me at the time, you know, maybe I can change something there. But upon reflection, it was always very interesting that when we broke into teams or we did exercises, and these were obviously uh, fake exercises as part of the offsites, 
um, but it was always um, my, my classroom male counterparts who were very inclusive in the activities, but they were chosen to lead. Yeah, that's interesting that there's this subconscious bias that's there that you don't even notice because you yourself expected to be like this anyway. That's it, right? Yeah. You talked about something really interesting here just now. I had an interview recently with a professor of robotics in the US, I was, uh, also one of these WIT interviews, and she said there are some people who um, need to have role models to, to go into a career so they can be what they see, but then there are people who can be what they even th those things they don't see. And I think yeah. you're one of those people. So obviously you chose a career where you didn't actually have a role model because you didn't even worry about this. So you had, yeah. you had an idea of what you wanted to do. And I think that's amazing because that's an amazing, uh, I don't want to call it skill, but it's an amazing mindset to have, not to think about whether somebody else is doing something, but just going ahead and doing what you love. So um, it's too bad that you couldn't uh, pursue that career because of, of medical reasons, but um, it was to our benefit, obviously, because you <laughs> <laughs> So um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that transition. Yes. I mean, okay, you said you, want, you love to lead teams, but still it's not necessarily the next uh, logical step to go into telco or is it? How, how did that happen? So how I ended up, so I spent uh, 10 years uh, working with a company, a residential telecoms company called Talk Talk as part of that back office uh, team management. Um, and unfortunately, just due to, as, as happens in organizations, there was restructuring and there were redundancies in the site that I was in. Mm -hmm. um, so I was impacted. And as part of looking at what's next, and I had the appetite for, as I said, fundamentally, I'd had a peek under the hood of technology with the telco um, and the broadband technology networks. Um, I was curious to know what was what else was out there. And I used my own contacts uh, to reach out to people working in the technology sector. So in Dell Technologies, actually, at the time, or Dell EMC, sorry, um, at the time, um, okay. and Apple and others. And a colleague came back to me and said, have you heard of VMware? And um, I was like, no. So I looked it up. Um, so this was about 10 years ago. And um, I remember looking at the, um, the homepage and I saw virtualization and I saw ESXi. Mm -hmm. I went off on YouTube. I had a look at the history of the first patent with Diane Green and others. And I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to apply for a role in this organization? I went back to my colleague and I said, are you mad? Um, and they said, no, I don't think I am. You know, you've got an interest. You know, we chat about this offline. Um, you love working with people. And these these guys in Cork are looking for somebody to actually develop and build some high performing teams. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you should meet them and have a conversation. So I'll be honest with you, Ronka. I spent about two weeks cramming on vSphere technology. Um, I did some of our uh, sales training uh, courses, not managed to keep them all, but I managed to get one under my belt um, to try and understand it because I thought I'm going to go into this interview and they're going to ask me tech. Mm -hmm. And I uh, met a fantastic lady during my second line interviews, now my boss, Karen Egan, she's our SVP uh, for global services. And she talked to me about the foundation for the technology and the innovation of what VMware do. Mm -hmm. um, the virtualization and what we were at the time trying to revolutionize with the data center and SDDC uh, to the cloud with vSphere. Mm -hmm. um, and but she said, ultimately, uh, we really want to bring um, the competencies of our employees along with us as well. So we know we've got some fantastic talent in the organization and we really think that you will be able to help work with them from a uh, leadership, 
management collaboration uh, solutioning perspective. Mm -hmm. So I was offered the job and um, I started in January 2012 um, and I walked in the door and I'll never forget thinking I has given a team of 15 engineers um, who specialised from level two up to, they were level two engineers up to level four. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, how am I going to coach these guys? Because I'm not deeply technical. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what, you can do this. Let's get in. Let's put your brief out. And I met the team, a fantastic team. Mm -hmm. And I showed them, this is who I am. This is my background. This is what I'm here to do. And this is what I am going to achieve for you, for me. Mm -hmm. And I laid out my training program in terms of what I was going to do. Um, and I, I'm going to say I succeeded. Um, I had some fantastic colleagues that helped me along the way that addressed, as I often term, the stupid question mentality. Um, but it really, it really that, that bug for the first 12 months for 2012 into 2013 really got my appetite going with technology. And I decided to study more and understand vSphere technology, uh, key components actually in the stack for the team I had of elements like storage, disaster recovery, um, how our customers use it, how they grow it, um, and how they work it, and how they deploy it. Um, and I realized I didn't need to be a deep technologist to be excited about how it's actually consumed at the mm -hmm. customer level. And that fueled my passion for bringing my team with me, seeing them successful to deliver their KPIs, work with them to develop their career development plans. And fundamentally, uh, another key motivator for me was to meet our customers mm -hmm. um, and see exactly how they did it so that I could take that back to the business. So that was my first foray um, into kind of the, the, the virtualized technology sector. Mm -hmm. um, and that led over the course of the last 10 years for me to continue the education bug. And I went on through the great support of VMware to get my master's in business practice completed. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, so went back to school um, in the middle of running my family um, and working. And I got my master's uh, two years ago, fully completed, thanks to the great support, actually, of the VMware team in Cork, mm -hmm. that I was able to do that. So um, I will say when you get into technology, I think the one thing that happens to people, well, it happened for me, is you get the bug and you want to learn more and you want to know more. Um, and it's mm -hmm. been a, a fantastic roller coaster. That's the very high level uh, behind it. There were so many interesting and, and very, um, how, how can I say, um, common topics in, in what you just uh, told me. The first thing I, my mind latched on was, uh, oh, I read the job description and I thought you must be crazy. So it's, I, I love that there was someone who saw in you something that you didn't because we all need these sponsors. My, yeah. um, for me, it was the same when I went into the vendor space. Of course, I was already working in tech, but to go to a big vendor, I would never have applied for that role. Yeah. This is for you. I would never have, you know. So I love that there are, there are people out there who obviously uh, take it upon themselves to, to, to um, you know, push you a little bit out of your comfort zone. I do. And I, I, I think everyone needs somebody in life to spot that, whether it's in their personal or professional network, because there are qualities sometimes that you don't realize about yourself that other people see. And I actually try to replicate that in my in my management style, as well as in my personal life as well, to say, um, and I'll relate this back to one of my favorite authors, Carol Dweck, because I, I read the growth mindset continually. Okay. Um, and it is that scenario, which, to your point, when we talk there about the job description of looking at, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. well, can you not? Or is there a way that you can do it, but you need to find a different path in terms of how you're going to do it? 
Um, and that spur for me came from my colleague um, who jokingly said, get your CV in, right? Because I know I've worked with you before. I absolutely do believe that you can do it. Um, and that was without them talking to, obviously, the, the, the interview team um, here at VMware, right? It's just so important. And, um, and I think, you know, one of the key things I just want to touch on, actually, is from VMware Global Services perspective, you know, we, we love technology. Um, we love working with customers in technology, but we're also a big believer that having the appetite and the enthusiasm is something that you can skill and train. Yes. and bring the future technologists of the future along and we've you know we've i've seen people who've come from historical careers from the boom times that were plasterers hairdressers mm -hmm. um worked in construction we had an archaeologist come through the team in vmware a few years ago who who phenomenally embraced that learning and development journey um and are some of our finest technical leaders yeah yeah and that was actually the second thing um i love that your boss is also a woman that that um fantastic that, lady i'm gonna throw her name out here karen egan an absolutely phenomenal uh leader um in our in our in our organization and in the technology industry actually yeah and she also saw the same thing in you which is also great um then the the third thing was exactly around this uh ability to learn stuff if you're passionate about it and that's something i find so so important and uh, interesting you know that it's not necessarily your history since three years old that you've been playing with some i don't know uh computers and you yes. study computer science and and all that no it's actually very much about your mindset and your your level of interest and i'm glad that this has become more common you know that it doesn't have to be the straight path right from you know your childhood dream to become an engineer or an astronaut to becoming um, someone working at vmware which was the traditional path, I think. So no, I, I totally agree. And I had the great opportunity probably about two years ago to speak at uh, one of the STEM events in Ireland. Um, and it was fantastic. And I remember preparing my speech and I said, what am I going to say to these girls um, that have turned up in the audience today? Um, because my first worry was I didn't go to school to learn technology. Right. I came from a completely, you know, my 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 desire wasn't what their desire is by sitting in the audience today because they've got an interest in either science, technology, engineering, or mathematics. Um, and I thought, I'm going to be exposed when I talk to these people, right? How am I going to motivate them? And actually, I said, you know what? I'm not, because what I'm going to say to them is, it's all right to not know what you want to do now. And it's all right to take a different path and come back, because ultimately, you are in control of your of, of 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 your path um and your desires um you shouldn't let but fundamentally my message to them from what i've been able to see and look at you know through my current career as well and looking at that is you can come back um and 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 look at an alternative study or focal area but don't go off that path because someone does tells you you can't do it because i'd apply the same mentality as i said to them when i spoke to the public uniform services. A lot of people would have said in 1990s, that wasn't a job for a female. Yeah. Um, and likewise, as you go through your career now with your guidance counselors and your parents, um, a lot of the mentality still in Ireland to an extent can be, you know, that they, the career of choice maybe should be education or nursing and, and, and things like that. And maybe you're not getting the encouragement that you need, but fundamentally, mm -hmm. you know, don't let that be a detractor. Um, and if it does become a detractor and two years in because you decide you want to do a course in a different subject and you realize wrong course, 
wrong decision, does that mean you can't get back? Of course it doesn't, of course you can. Because the options for us as, as potential female entrepreneurs and leaders, and especially for the tech sector, are huge. Yeah. And if you've got the passion and motivation, you can do anything that you want to do. What you just said touches on, back on something I was thinking earlier when you talked about taking over the leadership for this team and you had this moment where you thought, what am I going to teach these people? And what I see here is that um, you seem to be best when you're a little vulnerable, when you open up your, you know, your uh, this part of yourself where you admit that you don't know any everything. I think this is so important to show people that it's not necessary to know every answer to every problem, but that you can actually find out the answers. And the other thing is, I'm just reading a book by David Epstein, it's called Range, and that actually touches on, on this, this fact that it's not necessarily the people who have always focused on one topic who are the best, but those who have a broad range of background. So even if you are not entirely sure what you want to do, right away and you, you you switch between different careers um there's a good chance that you will be really good at your job and i think that's that's okay. what path actually shows you know you have this different um stories in your background and i think all these comes together to give you the skills to lead a team in a way that makes them successful and that this is great you know and and i think especially women who did not go a specific path or per people who didn't choose a specific path are the best role models and the best uh, mentors actually so yeah i couldn't agree more because i think and just a final comment there i think when you look at um leadership for me is being authentic mm -hmm. um and for many of us we've we've done the courses where there are very different leadership styles you can have you can of course if you could be authentic um you can be very directional and you can wear the hats right depending on the role you have to be in sometimes you have to wear a different hat mm -hmm. to get that job done but I do fundamentally believe, for me, authentic leadership is huge. Um, and I want to be very clear when I'm working as part of a team or leading a team, that if I might not have all the answers, I'll find the answers out um, if we need to. Um, but fundamentally, um, it's important for people to understand what you can and what you can't do. And with the roles that you expect the organization or the team to wear, and the one piece I'd like to touch on, Ranka, from what you've said, which is really, a, it's a motivator and a passion for me is, is failure, because a lot of people see failure as a complete negative. It's the end of the world. Something has gone wrong. Part of my role in VMware is actually looking after customers who end up in crisis points with our technology. So that something has failed. I see that as huge opportunity for mm -hmm. how we can actually, as an organization, look at why that technical solution has failed and address it to bring a customer back to a level of confidence, but also look at it from an organizational standpoint to say, what do we need to change from our processes and procedures? Mm -hmm. And do I make the wrong decisions sometimes by what I ask my colleagues to do? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is that a failure for the short 10 seconds that I make it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it an opportunity? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, we continuously learn as humans. And we grow and evolve. And it's that seating for me. And that's the guidance that I give to my, I give to my children, um, mm -hmm. is that it's, it's, it's never see it as a negative. You might be disappointed at that point in time, but look at it, learn from it, move on from it and change it. And, yeah. that's, and that's fundamental to the authenticity um, and, and, and the leadership role that I do think for 
technology and for female leaders at the moment, it's so important to have. Don't let people uh, believe that that failure is an absolute negative because it's not. Yeah, I love that you just touched on that because I recently wrote an article about that, about the value that there is in failure, exactly what you said, because yeah. every failure, if you want to call it that, um, it's some, it teaches you something. It's, it's just a stepping stone on a path to becoming more successful, in my opinion. And what triggered that was there was this woman in technology uh, conference online and Michelle Obama did a keynote interview and she talked about exactly this topic. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but that was, uh, um, I love that because I, I have this thing with failure. I actually talked a lot about it recently and, and with a lot of people because I find it so important. Everyone just talks about their successes nowadays, how they, I don't know, completed their study, you know, all the, all the beautiful things and everybody just hides the, the stuff that takes you there and, and people get the completely wrong idea what it takes to, to get to a certain point um, of life and how to be successful. No, and, and, and life happens. Exactly, exactly. So um, before I ask you um, what you would uh, recommend to young women going to field, I would like to take a quick discourse into what you actually do at the Ember, because we talked, uh, touched a little bit on that. You have a team, it's professional uh, GSS, uh, but still, what, what did, does your team do? So I'm responsible for a global team. I work in global services, which is our support organization. Um, but I actually look after a team globally uh, that consists of what we call solution architects mm -hmm. and critical account managers. Um, and what we do is we review customer engagements uh, from any part of the business. So they can come from our sales teams, our engineering teams or our support teams. And these are customers that have lost confidence in VMware's technology or its solution. That can be because when they deployed it, it simply didn't work. Maybe they couldn't run it at scale. Maybe what we had in the marketing didn't it meet the expectation of the customer. Um, many different scenarios. And we're a software organization. So obviously things, like, things can occur. Mm -hmm. So what my team do and what we do is we take an account, we look at it end to end, and we build a 90-day program. We work directly with the customer. We take full responsibility for VMware. And we work directly with the customer to actually address whatever piece of the puzzle has caused that confidence failure. And at the moment, um, nine times out of 10, it can be solution interoperability. So as our customers are trying to deploy VCF and NSX and vSphere and vSAN together, it can be helping them figure out how all those stack components work so the customer can meet their A to B uh, goal or scale expectation. And then we develop a stay well program where we then after the 90 days, hand it back to the relevant account team um, or support leadership team to say, this is the work that's been done. These are some of the best practices that you could adopt, or this is a new perspective to maybe take that will keep your customer um, um, satisfied and consuming. Because fundamentally, what we really want and what my goal is, is to ensure that we turn those crisis points into areas of opportunity for VMware and the customer continues to be able to explore with confidence their wider solution uh, portfolio, I suppose the right word to say is, continues to consume our solutions at scale. So as we really focus on SaaS and subscription as our strategy this year, if we can really demonstrate uh, that we've got that solution mindset, we've got that subscription mindset, that's my team's goal is to turn those opportunities, uh, to turn those uh, issues into opportunities for the business. So I get to meet a lot of customers. I get to meet a lot of large scale customers. Pre-pandemic, I used to get to meet them on site. I love traveling. I love meeting customers. I love hearing their use cases and stories. And I love 
being able to be an ambassador mm-hmm. for our customers back to the business um, mm-hmm. and standing up and challenging the status quo. Um, because fundamentally, if we all go into a meeting and nod and say yes, nothing happens to change anything, right? So I have a fantastic opportunity in the organization where I get to work across. It's not just support. I get to work with the account teams, VMware professional services, VMware engineering and support. And I get to be able to see the worst and then the best in terms of how we turn it around. Some people might say, oh, I love an escalation. Ronka. So yes. I, I love seeing uh, how we can fix things. Um, so that's actually leaves and get stuck in. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> that's so interesting because you obviously you just touched on that. You meet the customers at the worst point when they're unhappy, when something doesn't work, and they're about to leave. And then it's your uh, task to turn it around. And I'm thinking about what kind of people you need on your team. Obviously, like you, there must be people who are very communicative. So another aspect of our job, I think, is and that's what a lot of people don't understand is you have to be able to communicate well. And that's what I see, right? Totally. So we're actually still growing the team. So we're recruiting. So your question couldn't be better. So um, from a management level, um, what I look for is autonomous decision making. So I'm looking for somebody who can, with confidence, make a decision based on fact-based data or based on information that they've been given. The ability to communicate is fundamental. So and what I'm looking for is the two formats is verbally and in the written format. So because The team are communicating with C-level audiences, either at the customer side or with internal stakeholders at VMware. So their information when they're communicating has to be concise. It has to be clear. And if we've got an ask, you know, it needs to be very specific. So people know what we're trying to, especially when you're, as you can imagine, when you're communicating at that level. Um, They also, it's fundamental. They have to have the ability to bring people together. And that requires a certain amount of negotiation and patience because when you form a get well team for a customer in crisis, people instantly can think when they're asked a question that they're actually being challenged, that they didn't do the job effectively, yeah. which isn't the intent at all. It's actually to try and get some information to understand how we actually get a situation back to where it needs to be. And my guidance to my team members is ask your direct and open questions, but set the scene as to why and listen. Don't cut across the person if they're feeling threatened by your question. Let them speak and get their point of view across. Mm -hmm. And then if they're not on the bus, as I would say, figure out what's the best way we can bring them on the bus um, by listening and understanding where their concerns come from. So it's fundamental that the right person in my team is the right blend of autonomy when it comes to decision making, because ultimately you will end up sometimes making a hard decision. Mm -hmm. But having the right skills to listen and negotiate to make sure that all stakeholders um, are understood. And if we don't agree, we don't agree, but help them to understand why we make a specific decision on an account. And ultimately that's a worst case scenario, nine times out of 10, um, the discovery process that we will do will, will ensure that we, we, we bring the stakeholders with us. But those, those key skills for leading, communicating, negotiating and decision-making um, are absolutely fundamental. And on my architecture side, It's the same rhetoric because these folks are going in and they're leading um, a technology workshop with a customer. They're going through design detail. They're going through stack and components um, and how a customer gets from A to B, whether they're expanding their NSX networks, whether they're going into federated support or whether they're going into uh, vCloud Foundation. Um, It's important at the architect level that the customer has trust. So as an architect, I'm recommending I'm making a decision and I can stand by that decision. Um, So fundamentally, 
you know, I have some fantastic people in my team. I absolutely adore them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're strong individuals and they have that mindset I touched on a moment ago where they're continuously learning. Yeah. Um, which That's is phenomenal. Amazing. It sounds amazing. And I do believe that this must be exceptional people because they bring all these different skills and tech is just a single one of them. And there's so many other stuff that the fact that they have to be able to mediate um, teams, that they have to be able to create a safe space where everybody feels free to to voice their opinions, because if they don't, then you cannot uh, resolve the problem. So it's, it's, it sounds amazing. So I can understand why you love doing that, especially when you are successful. No, I- Absolutely. And sometimes it can feel in a role like this. There are times that I, I, I often think and I, I've spoken to my team on this. So what I was just touching on, there are times when you feel you're not making that difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people ask me that um, and say, am I? I ultimately always say there's always light at the end of the tunnel. I personally sometimes have thought, did I make a difference today? Because I'm a big believer that you have your, you know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you have your intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. Yeah. So we have our hygiene factors where bills they need to do the mortgage um etc but fundamentally there is that instilled set of value of i make a difference in my day-to-day role um and that's fundamentally what i always say to the team you are making a difference it might sometimes feel like it's it's pushing a rock uphill um but you are making a difference and think of the outcome think of the successes that we've had before um and use those as your your motivation um because fundamentally um, you know, we're here because we're passionate about technology. We're passionate about our customers. Yeah, exactly. So true. Love your job role. And it sounds amazing. So um, if a young woman would be interested into going with you, do you have any, I don't know, like tips for them, what they should do, how they should proceed, anything they can learn from your journey? So my, I got asked this question at the STEM event I was at as well. And fundamentally, um, what I said was, If you have a dream, don't let somebody tell you you can't pursue your dream. Um, You are the master of your destiny. So follow that dream. Ask all questions. Don't ever let someone tell you that a question is a stupid question because it's not a stupid question to you um, if it's important to you and meaningful in terms of where you need to get to from A to B. When people offer help, take the help. Um, so often you will find that if, if people actually come to you and say, how can I help you or what advice or guidance can I give you too often? And I, and I think, I don't know, is it sometimes from a female perspective, we think, oh, we're okay. Yeah. Take the help, right? Because you'll find there are actually some really well-meaning people and knowledgeable people who will say, have you thought about this career path? Have you thought about this course? Have you thought about updating this on your CV? Um, so when you are, you know, in those scenarios, take the advice, you know, take the guidance of good people. Um, and then finally, what I would say is nothing is impossible. Challenge yourself to change and hold whatever organization or educational institution that you're in to account, because we are the change leaders of the future. Um, and fundamentally, um, if we don't have people like us, then the world will not change. Um, so, you know, ambassadors like um ourselves from a female technologist perspective and a people manager perspective is we have the power to let people know it is possible don't let others hold you back um, and be be the voice that you want to be thank you that's perfect that's uh, actually a perfect summary of, of what you can i think tell a young woman so um thank you again for for thank you. 
time and talking to me. I loved your story. I love uh, your job, as I said. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Ronka. Thank you for your time. It's a pleasure to have met you today. Thank you. Thank you.